Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was at a meeting last Monday, sitting there, and TV was on, and it was on like CMT or GAC or... PC pop country television or something like that. I don't know, whatever you call it, right? And all of a sudden, you know, they had this, this scary video that came on. And I, I didn't say nothing to, to anybody that was at the meeting, but I'm looking right over uh, Ty's hat at this video, and I mean, my heart is just starting to beat. I don't know why this video, I don't know why they made a country video so scary, if you've ever seen it, you'll probably uh, recognize the song, probably even recognize the singer. Um, this video, it lit- I mean, I'm, I'm saying it right now, and I'm picturing everything in this video, and I mean, it just it scares me to death. And, and the song starts out, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. It gets hotter than a hoochie-coochie or something like that, right? That's, it's a scary video because Alan Jackson is water skiing. I'm an excellent water skier. I'm really good because I don't want... The the scariest place in the world is in the middle of a lake watching that boat make a big old circle. Because see, I was about seven or eight years old when I saw a movie called Jaws. (laughs) It was about this same time when I heard that down at the dam, some divers went down. And there was catfish that could swallow somebody whole. Well, see, most somebodies are bigger than I am. So if they could swallow a big fella whole, man, I'm just like a, like a, like a tasty treat. You know, I'm like an Oreo cookie or something, a vanilla wafer. You know, I mean, I get out there and, you know, and I know it's silly, but, you know, most of the time, and, and I, I, know, I know Gary's got a boat, and every time I go in his garage, I'm like, we should go skiing. I'm like, but I don't want him to know that I'm scared to death. <laughs> I am one of the only people that they say they ever saw that I got up on my first time slalom skiing. Very first time. Because I'm scared. Fear will make you do some amazing things, but people don't like me to go because I like play it safe right behind the boat. And I don't do a lot of stuff. And so they're like, would you just fall? You've been out there for 92 minutes. Just slow down, get going real fast, and then hit the brake so I can just jump in the boat. Because it scares me. It really does. Waiting on that boat to come back around. And you know how a lot of people come up, if you've ever been skiing, they'll you know, reach down and kind of do the forearm, you know, Spartan lock, help you up. You don't have to do that. I'm like a fish. I just jump in the boat. It's crazy. It's crazy. Most people don't believe it, but come out there. But, you know, I, I always wear my red union suit. You cowboys know what a red union suit is. It's got the flap in the back. Just in case that catfish comes, I can act like an octopus and ink on him. Because that's what would happen. Cowboys ain't meant to go in the water. I'm not afraid of, well, I mean, I'm afraid of bears. A bear will eat you. A mountain lion will eat you. I've got a fighting chance. You always carry an out-of-shape guy with you so you can run faster than they can in case the bear gets after you, right? 
But even then, man, you know, at least you can get behind a tree, right? You've got a fighting chance in the water. You ain't got nothing. That's why I want to learn to scuba dive. I know, it's just one of those facing your fears type things. Can't wait to get back in the boat. But isn't it kind of ironic in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus asks us to be anywhere except in that boat? What if I said one of the most dangerous places that a Christian can be is in the boat? In Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, I'm going to be reading from the Simplified Cowboy version because it's kind of cool. Jesus told his cowboys to go load up in a boat and head home while he made sure everyone else made it back to town. When they had all left, he rode up on a mountain so he could be alone and pray. By this time, the boys were way out in the middle of a huge lake, and a big storm had come in, and the storm was a pounding the tar out of everything, and the cowboys were scared. A little while later, Jesus came out of the storm walking right across the water, and the cowboys saw him and thought for sure that a ghost was coming for him. They started screaming and bellering like the end was near, and Jesus hollered for them to relax and said, Don't worry, fellas, it's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Peter hollered back at him, Jesus, if it's really you... Tell me to walk out there on that water and come to you. And Jesus smiled and said, come on then, come on then. And you know what? He's asked us all to do that very thing. What is the boat though? How do we know if we're in the boat? I mean, if we don't know we're in the boat, how do we know to call us out of the boat? Well, the, the boat is a, is a little bit symbolic in this story. It's what keeps us safe. I mean, when you're out on a lake, you can't wait to get back in the boat because, you know, I mean, you don't want the catfish to eat you. You know, my feet don't smell good and catfish like stinky things, so you can see the quandary I'm usually in. But the boat is what keeps us safe. A lot of times, the boat is our identity. It's what we think will keep us safe. It's who we want other people to see, our identity. Sometimes it's our socioeconomic status that we put a lot of stock in. Uh, I, I've seen some people that, that they feel safest when they act like a tough guy. You know what I mean? Well, by gosh, rah, 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 you know, you know, well, I'm a butthole and rah, 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 you know, I'm a, you know, it, it, it's, just, it's a safety net. They're scared. That, that's why they act like that. That's why anybody acts like that because that's their comfort zone. That's their safety place. That's their binky, their woody, whatever you want to say. Sometimes our boat is a cushy lifestyle. Make sure that we have all the creature comforts. Sometimes our boat is self-theology. Theology of self. What do I mean by self-theology or theology of self? You'd be talking to somebody, and, and, and it happens to preachers all the time. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you're talking to somebody about God, and they're like, well, I don't really believe that. Well, it don't really matter what you believe. If God said it, God said that he was going to take care of us. And they say, well, I don't really believe that God's going to take care of me. Well, that's your problem. You know, they have created God in their own image that, that you, you, you see what happens is that when you're talking to somebody that has created God in their own image, God believes just like they do. You know, we, we were in a Bible study this morning and, and, and uh, Jay kind of said something uh, uh, about, you know, hey man, that kind of bothers me a little bit that Jesus said that. You know, he spoke in parables where, and he said, the reason I do this is so that some people will understand and there's people that think they know it all, they're not going to understand a word we said because Isaiah, Isaiah said the exact same thing. He said, teaching stories so that the, it may confound the wise. He said, man, doesn't Jesus want everybody to come to him? You know, so a lot of this self-theology or theology of self is a boat. Sometimes it's our reputation. 
We, we can hear God calling us out of the boat, but we know that all of our buddies are in the boat, and when we step out, what are they going to do? They're going to clown you. What do you think you're doing? Oh, you're just a holier than thou now, huh? Some Bible thumper. You going to church, you know, blah, blah, blah. I saw this deal, and, and social media, you know, that thing. Everybody, like, criticizes social media. It just reveals what was already there. Okay, it, it just reveals what was already there. But there was this picture, and, and it said that, uh, that Jesus came to rid the world of evil, and Odin came to rid Valhalla of the ice giants, but you don't see any ice giants around, do you? I was like, and, and, and then the guy makes a comment, yeah. Wait for all these uh, something Christians to come and, you know, just stir in the pot. That's all they were doing is stir in the pot. And I didn't even give them the benefit of the, <laughs> of the argument. I was like, whew, yeah, we'll be, won't be seeing you up there probably. You continue like that. Reputation. A lot of times fear keeps us in the boat. Whatever you value most other than God is usually your boat. Every single one of us have our boat. And Jesus is continually calling us out of our comfort zone, calling us out of our boat, saying, hey, man, money's not going to take care of you. Your nice house. You know, I, I remember whenever I, I first started working and I got my first full-time job, the first truck I ever bought was a white Dodge extended cab that had these dark tinted windows. And, man, I was the cowboy that had the little Ford Sporty Escort. That's what I drove to school. I mean, you know, so my reputation, I wasn't really worried about it. You know what I mean? But now I have me a cowboy truck, right? And I just knew with this cool truck, I was going to drive down the streets of Lubbock, Texas, and I was going to have to get a bed cover because all the girls were just going to jump in the back because I was so cool. I must have been driving a little too fast because none of them ever jumped in there. They didn't. I don't, I don't know what the deal was. But, you know, whatever we value most is our boat. And God is continually calling us, saying, man, there's more to it than this. There's more to it than this. There's more to it than this. Isn't it funny how quick we want to get back in the boat every single time we go back to our safety zones? You know, the disciples were with Jesus. A lot of them were fishermen. And after he was dead and rose again, and then he kind of disappeared from the upper room, said, I'd go meet you in Galilee. You know what they went to doing again? fishing. They went back to the boat. They went back to what they knew, right? And Jesus called them out of the boat again. Called them out of the boat again. But you know what? There's three types of people that try to get out of the boat, but they don't have very much success. Let's talk about those three types of people. I'm telling you right now that I am telling you the three stages that I have gone through. Some of you may be able to identify with one, two, or three, or maybe you can add even more to the ways that we get out of the boat, but we just don't experience God like we thought we would. The first type of person that gets out of the boat is the show-off, okay? He dies, you know, Jesus says, well, come on then, and he's like, look at this, guys, and he dives head first into the water, right? Well, Jesus is going to keep him from smacking his face, so he just lets him go under, right? Because he's more worried about what his friends will see, what his friends will think. And he starts this show-off. He's like, watch, Jesus, I'm going to come to you, right? So he dives in the water. Well, when he, don't, he starts to go under, he starts depending on his own effort. 
And he starts swimming out there, but the wind and the waves, he just he, he never gets closer to Jesus because he's dependent upon his own self, what he is, what he is capable of doing. But you know what happens to show off when they jump out of the boat? They get tired real quick and they look up and man, they, they, they think, oh, yeah, I should be right there. And they look up and they're just as far away as they ever were. I, I went, uh, I've actually been in the ocean before. Uh, I went down to Cozumel and me and my brother, and, well, there was a bunch of us. It was whenever I had turned 23 years old and um, we all went on this, this boat and we went snorkeling at Cozumel, right? And so they give you this snorkel and it's this, you stick a PVC pipe in your mouth and you got a big old long chimney on your, on your head, right? And so you got, your, you got your, your goggles on and you got your mouthpiece in and they give you this little life vest, okay? I don't put much stock in it. It's like a Ziploc bag with an air hole in it, you know? And it, you put the Ziploc bag over your head and you tie it around your waist and you can just sit there and float. I felt like a bobber myself. And so anyway, we're snorkeling and, and it's like 20 feet of water and there's coral down there and there's fish going around. Thank goodness there wasn't no sharks. I didn't have to ink and everything. Well, this guy that was with this man, this kid was a merman, okay? He would like take, now he didn't have the Ziploc bag on. He'd take him a big old breath and he'd just, whoop, and he'd go down there and he'd be on the bottom and he'd come up with a starfish. Well, my brother, you know, he kind of gets my attention well, the sucker was on my left-hand side, and he's like, mar, mar, right? And so I'm sitting there breathing, and I go, what? You don't turn your head to the left because you get a bunch of seawater in your lungs. And then you got to come up for air, and somebody's got to give you the Heimlich maneuver. You know, where they kick you in the butt so you'll start breathing? Then you got to pull out your asthma inhaler and use it. Well, my brother says, I'm going to swim down there. Like, do it, dude, you go. And he's like, all right. And so he, and, and I'm sitting there watching him. I'm not turning to the left. I kind of rotate over. I'm learning my lesson, right? And I'm watching him. And he goes, and he goes down, and he swims down until his feet are about this far below the water. Well, he didn't deflate his life vest. And so he's just a kicking. And he's not going nowhere. And then he does like a bobber. Whoop. And then I have to hand him my inhaler. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. But that's what happens to show offs when, when, when they're more worried about what everybody else is going to see in their relationship with God. They die head first. And they swim and they swim and they swim and they swim and they swim. And they got to use their asthma inhaler and they turn around. They're still right there at the boat. So what do they do? They climb back in. They climb back in. They depend on their own strength to fulfill God's promises. They're more interested in how they look to other people than coming face to face with Jesus. As soon as things don't work, they head back. And I've been guilty of that right there. Oh yeah, God, I can do this. And I jump, jump head first into something and I work 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 and I open my eyes and I ain't gone nowhere. So I get back in the boat. Maybe you've been there too. The second type of person that jumps out is the, is the person that puts their, their faith in religion instead of the Son of God, okay? These are the people that put religion on like a life jacket, right? They put that life jacket on because they're going to be safe, and they jump in the water, and, and they're not going under, but they're not walking on water, and they're just floating out there, and they're trying to get to Jesus. Well, you know, those type of people, 
Yeah, they don't ever go under. But you know what? They never experience Jesus face to face. They're just kind of near Jesus. And they pat themselves on the back and, and, and they're dependent upon religion to keep their head above water, but most of them have sunk. And I've been guilty of that right there. Life jacket is a, you know, the religion is a life jacket. What are some things that we can do with that? And, and I'm not criticizing. Jesus was a religious person. I'm not criticizing religion. I'm just saying that those people that put their faith in religion instead of the Son of God. A lot of people, church, is a religion to them. They, 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 they spend their entire lives in church and never experience God because their, their, their faith is in, in, in church and not in God. Um, you know what? Some of you are going to go, ah, did he just say that? Some people do it with the Bible. They worship the Bible instead of who the Bible is about. You know, one of the most powerful cartoons I ever saw, it was a hand-drawn little cartoon, and it was a 12-year-old Jesus, and he was standing in front of a bunch of Pharisees, and they had their great big Bible open, and there was like 20 Pharisees standing there, and they were all looking at the Scriptures, and Jesus was standing there, and they couldn't see him for that big book. He was standing right there going like this. Some people do that with the Bible. Now, the Bible is the Word of God. I get that. But we shouldn't worship a book. We should worship who the book is about. It points the way to Jesus. Okay? Um, some people do it with sacraments. I mean, the sacraments are holy. They are important. But we shouldn't worship the sacraments. We worship the person that the sacrament is meant to. As an illustration, the baptism or the Lord's Supper, vastly important. Jesus said to do them, and we should do them, but we do them to remember Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about the sacrament. Programs in church. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know what? That, that's the quandary of Save the Cowboy. We don't have a lot of programs because we want to point you to Jesus Christ, not to a program. We try to get some things for people to get involved with, but we don't want Save the Cowboy to be about us sitting up here begging for people to fill our programs. We want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. All of these are important because they point to Jesus. They are not to be worshipped. They're religion. The third type of person that gets out of the boat but never experiences Jesus is actually somebody that doesn't get out of the boat, but they talk about getting out of the boat all the time. I've been just as guilty about this one right here. Uh, I, you know, next week I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. You know what? Tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to go in the living room before anybody gets up and I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and I'm going to pray and that always is going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start reading the Bible front to back tomorrow or whatever. We just talk and talk and talk and talk about knowing God. When I get my finances together, then, then, then I'm going to do this. Or, or uh, when, when I can afford to, I'll get married. You'll know, you can't afford marriage. You can't afford kids. You just, it, you just do it. I mean, sometimes that's why you have kids, because you just did it. You know? I'm just, <laughs> let's just, if you need a lesson on birds and the bees, come talk to Ty. <laughs> but tell the parable. The, the bull and the cow, yeah. Come on out to the ranch. Calve out some heifers, you'll think twice about that, won't you? 
How about this? When you get a better job, when I get a better job, I'll start following God. Once my divorce is final, then I'll quit talking bad about people and start loving those that have hurt me. How about this? Well, I just don't know enough about God, so I, I don't really want to do that. You know, I need, I need to learn more. No, there is no time like the present to get out of that boat. So how do we do it? What does getting out of the boat look like? Getting away from our, our identities and our reputations and uh, all of this other stuff. How do we get out of the boat? What does that look like? Well, it's going to look different for you than it is me. So I'm not going to tell you, you have to do this and this and this, but I am going to give you some things that everybody has in common. It may look different, but everything has in common. First, you got to surrender your ways for God's ways. We talked about that this morning. I mean, Jesus' ways of doing things are vastly different than the world's ways of doing things. You've got to surrender yourself to his ways, not try to see if there's some sort of way that you can keep doing what you've always been doing but still follow God. You can't do that. It's not going to work. You've got to say, God, I'm going to give my life to you. I, you know, I'm going to leave my old life behind. I'm going to step out of this boat, and I'm going to surrender my will to yours. You've got to give up the life you want for the life God has for you. I, I, I say this a lot, and just because I can't use you as an illustration, I wouldn't use you as an illustration, but when God asked me to leave the ranch in Texas and come up here, I didn't want to do it. I was building my life. I was raising my kids on the ranch that I wasn't able to be raised on. I had good paying jobs, making six figures, being a preacher. Everything was golden. And God said, would you give it all up, what you have worked so hard for? Would you walk away from it for what I have planned for you? And I was like, God, why are you asking me to do this? And he said, because yours is like a house of cards. Anything can come and destroy your dreams. But when you follow me, I will build on rock a solid foundation when you follow me. We've got to give up the life we want and take up the life that God wants for us. You're never going to be ready, okay? You're never going to be ready. To think that you're going to be ready tomorrow, you're, you're, you're just talking about it. You're not going to be ready, okay? Sometimes you've got to follow God like it is when I eat a tomato. You just pop it in your mouth and you chew with your mouth wide open, and then you swallow and it's over, okay? You've got to get out of the boat the same way. You just got, you're not going to be ready. You just hop out and you just go. That's the only way to do it. But most of us are waiting on the right situations, the right timing. Well, it's too dark out. What if Jesus loses track of me? Well, the winds, you know, I don't want to get my hair messed up. It's really windy outside, and I just had it curled. Just polished my forehead. Surrender your ways for God's ways. Give up on the life you want for the life God has for you, and just get out quick and go. Seriously, you're not going to be ready. Just go. Depend on him. Jesus smiled and said, well, come on then. Peter stood up and walked right off the boat and strode right out there on the water. But Pete seen the lightning and how the wind was making waves, and he got scared all over again and began to sink. Oh, no, help me, Jesus. That's, what, that's the way I picture Pete. Help me. I'm a sinking down. Jesus walked over to him and grabbed him by the shirt collar and said, Your faith wouldn't fill a thimble, Pete. How come you doubt me? I ask you the same question. God asked me that same question this morning. Jesus walks over to us, pulls us up by the shirt collar and says, Why do you doubt me? You just keep your eyes on Jesus. The boat is the most dangerous place in the world. It drifts with the wind. 
but Jesus doesn't drift. People have seen Jesus from the boat, but you cannot know him from the boat. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus in the boat when you're dependent upon that boat to keep you afloat, when you're dependent upon a life jacket to keep you afloat, when you're dependent upon your job, your identity, your reputation, your finances, your vehicles, whatever the case may be, that is not, you can't have a rep, uh, uh, relationship with God sitting in your boat. We want a safe God of the boat, not one that calls us forth into the wind and the waves. See, too many of us have been living in the SS comfort, the SS happiness at any cost. You know, happiness is not the goal of Christianity. God did not come, send his son to die on the cross so you could be happy. He sent his son to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be saved. Some people live in the SS money, the SS buckle, the SS fame and fortune, the SS easy, the SS no problemos. You think your problems are going to go away whenever you come to God? No, you're going to step out into the wind and the waves. Jesus doesn't calm the chaos around you. Jesus is not going to calm the chaos around you. He's going to calm the chaos within you, and that is better. He's not going to calm the chaos around you. He's going to calm the chaos within you. Jesus is here to save us. He's not here to watch you drown. You keep your eyes on him and start experiencing the true meaning of faith. Yeah, there's scary things below that water, things that we can't see, things that we know that are down there. But Jesus rises us up above that. And nothing that we fear can ever harm us when our eyes are on him. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for the opportunity to come here and worship together. We are here to worship you, and we do that in spirit and in truth through your son. Help us to get out of the boat. There's some listening that have been treading water for a long time, and some have clung to religion to save them, and others are always going to start their ride with you tomorrow. Help us to put our faith in you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.